This is News Now, all the news that's fit for now. Here are the headlines. Are Chicken McNuggets worth sexual Congress? One woman says yes. Police dispatched to find drugs by the drug's owner. Traffic court spiced up when partygoer releases nose candy. Yelling excludes the deaf. Also in stunning turn, painting excludes the blind and the tasteless. The gay plague is still causing incarceration across the nation. And finally, police fighting to make crimes against them hate crimes. Hate the cops? Never, I say, or else they'll arrest me. Now let's go to those bastions of all things sugar, spice, and loaded with saturated fats, house and mold. And that's when I told her, it's not a problem if you're only 16. We're in Utah. Oh, shit, the intro's over. No members of law enforcement, listen to this part of the podcast. Just turn off the speakers. Nothing important you need to know here. Aside from, you know, our stories, because we're amazing. Yes, we are. We are apparently a bastion of truth, justice, and unsaturated fat, or something along that line. I think it was sugar, spice, and saturated fats. Whatever. And I do like those things. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am a fan. But if you cut me open, I'd bleed cheese. I bleed a mixture of margarine and marinara sauce. Ooh. You'd be know, very right? tasty. Add in a little garlic and I am down. <laughs> Don't even need to spice me. Just stick me on the spit and turn me. Pretty much. That's some tasty long pork. <laughs> But yes, folks, we are back with another exciting week of podcasting stories and news from across the internet brought to you, the people. The people. Should I do my creepy da- pseudo-David Attenborough um, voice for my stories I'm reading this week? And we will give it back to you, the people. <laughs> sure, if you want. You merely adopted the shitlording. I was born into it. Molded by it. You might say, I am a shitlord. <clears throat> so do you want to start or should I? Stories. Congratulations. I have now asked that 75 times. It's better you say you didn't ask it last week because I told you to start. Ha ha. Ha ha. 75th time I've said, so do you, so should you start or, or do you want me to start or something along those lines? I don't know. Wait, it's so do you want to start or should I? That's what I always ask. Yeah, go ahead. All right, here we go. This article comes from Network World. It's an IDG. From Paul McNamara, the news editor, his Buzz blog. Apple fanboys cited as Merriam-Webster herds sheeple in the dictionary. Wake up, the good folks at Merriam-Webster just tweeted. Sheeple is in the dictionary now. And while the induction of such casual slang is sure to offend some... None will likely take more great umbrage than Apple zealots, 
whose zealotry is cited by the dictionary as an example of the proper use of the word. From the definition from Merriam-Webster's website, people who are docile, compliant, or easily influenced, people likened to sheep. And the second of two examples, Apple's debuted a battery case for the juice-sucking iPhone, an ungainly, lumpy case the sheeple will happily shell out $99 for. Doug Chris. Nice. The snark. That snark is from today's Five Things post on CNN dated December 9th, 2015. Speaking of dates... It was somewhat surprising to see that Merriam-Webster traces the first known use of sheeple to 1945, which I'm fairly certain predates the iPhone. Reaction to the edition among Twitter was a predictable mix of amusement, resignation, and horror. Yeah, well, Wikipedia. fuck em. <laughs> Yeah, fuck em. Nobody gives a shit about your Twitter feelings. By the way, follow us on Twitter at Douche News Studio. Wikipedia has a page devoted to the word sheeple, of course, and it emphasizes the political realm over the technological. Sheeple, a portmanteau of sheep and people, is a derogatory term that highlights the passive herd behavior of people easily controlled by a governing power which likens them to sheep, a herd animal that is easily led about. The term is used to describe those who voluntarily acquiesce to a suggestion without critical analysis or research, in large part because the majority of others possess a similar mindset. In other words, well, I'm sure there isn't an Apple fanboy alive who hasn't heard it many times. Update just stumbled across news that back in 2008, Merriam-Webster bestowed dictionary status upon the word fanboy I'm surprised it took him that long for fanboy till two that yeah fanboy's been around forever but apparently the first use of sheeple was 1945 give me a fuck where I'm guessing somebody was talking about either the Germans or the Italians probably marching in lockstep these sheeple yeah no did you look it up no, I was just figuring uh, that's how it went. Now I've got the Punch of Nazi song stuck in my head. Go to the next story. Our next one. Hey, Mo. Yeah? It's Florida, stupid. Uh, my, my life is reaffirmed with the presence of stupidity from our southernmost state that is neither Hawaii nor Texas. Mm-hmm comes from the Miami Herald. A bastion oh, journalistic integrity. Ah, Florida, you truly are the wang of America. Uh, and they're flaccid, too. That's the sad part. I like it because it makes it look like we're peeing on Cuba. Could we just move the entire Floridian Peninsula to where it looks like America has a boner? I thought that was what the uh, Northeast was for. New England? This looks like America's trying to have a pompadour. Huh. Want sex? Give me McNuggets. Florida woman charged with prostitution after meal deal. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought prostitution 
was only in exchange for money. A Florida woman has been charged with prostitution after she agreed to perform a sex act for $25 and Chicken McNuggets, according to the Manatee County Sheriff's Office. The Manatee County Sheriff's Okay, Okay, so there was money involved. It wasn't just Chicken McNuggets. Alex Diorino, 22, was arrested at 10.15 p.m. Tuesday and charged with prostitution and possession of drug paraphernalia. She's being held at the Manatee County Jail on bonds, on bonds totaling six hundred and twenty dollars. Of course, she did, she, dude. She was willing to fuck a dude for twenty five bucks and chicken McNuggets. She cannot pay six hundred bucks to get out of jail. Hell, I don't think she can pay sixty bucks to get out of jail. Dirino walked out of Marathon gas station in Bradenton and unknowingly waved at an undercover sheriff undercover detective with the sheriff's special investigation division who was talking to another woman upon God, 620 bucks egged exactly according to the according to the arrest report the detective told the other woman that he was here to pick up Diorino, and Diorino got into the car. So the detective was trolling for prostitutes at this gas station that he could arrest. More than likely. And one made herself look totally obvious. It doesn't help that she looks like a meth head. As the undercover detective drove north on 14th Street West, he told her that he wanted oral sex, and she agreed to do it. For $25. As they briefly went back and forth on the price, she finally agreed to perform the act for 25 bucks and Chicken McNuggets. How many Chicken McNuggets was not specified in the report? How does that even enter the conversation? Maybe she had a craving. 35 bucks. No, 25 bucks is all I'm paying. Well, I'm kind of hungry. How about 25 bucks and uh, give me some McNuggets? What? Even the vice cops saying they're like, holy shit, really? The detective showed <laughs> Tiarino he had the cash and pulled over at the 46. <laughs> oh, Jesus, McNuggets. Those things really are addictive. At the 44. 200 block. House is dying right now. You're hearing it on this recording. At the 4200 block of 14th Street, where other detectives were waiting to take her into custody. When Dean Reno's purse was searched, detectives found two hypodermic needles, several small baggies, a spoon, and a burnt glass pipe, consistent with either heroin or crack cocaine use. Considering it's Florida, I'm going to go on a limb and say crack cocaine. Just last month, the arena was placed on probation for three years after she pled guilty to grand theft auto and possession of drug paraphernalia. Hey, Chicken McNuggets will drive motherfucker crazy. So, yeah. Apparently, the going rate in in Florida for for a blowjob is uh, 25 bucks in Chicken McNuggets. Who knew? In Bradenton. 
fucking Florida, which is a place I'm pretty sure doesn't exist. It's a place I'm never going. Have you even been to a marathon gas station? Yes. I think I've been to like two in my life. And that's just because I drove through, I think, South Carolina and there was one. Not a lot of marathon gas stations in Texas. I'm sorry. Actually, ooh, let's keep the drug theme going. All right, I guess chicken McNuggets are addictive because my story is I've I've got a fun one that fits in here. All right. This comes from the DailyMail.com. Ohio man requests police dog to search for stolen heroin in bizarre 911 call. Hey, hey, police, somebody stole my heroin. Get over here with the drug dog. (laughs) And and this guy just looks like the smartest man in the world in his prison photos. Well, clearly he called the cops to look for his heroin. An Ohio man called 911 requesting a police dog to help track down heroin he claimed was stolen from him. Joseph Murphy, all of 20 years old, asked the dispatcher for a police dog in January and later pulled a brown waxy substance from his pockets when responding police officers pressed him about the drug. Bath Police Chief Mike McNeely says it's among the most bizarre things he's heard in four decades of policing, News 5 reported. In the audio clip released this week, Murphy requested a police dog and said, she stole heroin from me when the dispatcher asked what was going on. Body cameras on the responding police officers showed Murphy trying to explain that a woman stole money from him. But when the police officers asked about the heroin he mentioned in the 911 call, Murphy mumbled inexplicably. He later pulled out a brown waxy substance, which was seized and sent to a lab for testing, police said. McNeely says Murphy, who was released pending the test results, is expected to face a drug charge. The 20-year-old was later arrested for operating a vehicle impaired after he crashed a Mercedes. His blood alcohol level was .121, police said, well over the limit of .08. Murphy was also accused of urinating on a Florida trooper's leg at the Walt Disney World Resort on January the 2nd after he was arrested for disorderly intoxication. I love this guy. I don't care if it is heroin. I love this guy. Oh my god. Get drunk, crash a Mercedes, piss on a Walt Disney World, or piss on a cop's leg at Walt Disney World, call the cops to get your heroin back. This man has, this is the face of a man who is in, I didn't think it was possible. He has gone into the negative for fucks to give. He is actively taking fucks from other people. Oh. When the next shipment shows up. He will still be out of fucks to give. Holy (laughs) shit. It just goes to show you that your theory about Florida and uh, Ohio competing to find out who is the most stupid is accurate. (laughs) Oh, I don't know because they're both fucking idiots. Chicken McNutt. But no, I don't think this man is an idiot. I think this man is a mad genius. 
Maybe he just really likes jail. Maybe. I don't know. Because clearly the photos this article uses are from different events. Because <laughs> yeah. his hair is in every photo. I like the body cam photo that they have down at, down at the bottom. The one where he's looking away or the one where he is actively holding the brown waxy substance? The one where he's actively holding the brown waxy substance. Yeah, and he's like holding it in the light. Like, is this my heroin? I need to make sure. Yeah, this is, she stole stuff like this from me. Here, here, let the dog get the scent. <laughs> All right. This man, Ohio hero. Okay. Sticking with both drugs and Ohio. Oh, delightful. This one comes from foxnews.com. Okay. Ohio cocaine oops. Suspect drops bag of drugs in court. Oh my God. How many times have we ran into fucking stories like this? People bringing shit they're not supposed to bring to court. People bringing drugs. People bringing guns. I don't know. Several. Holy fucking shit, Ohio. Control your goddamn people. Judge Mark Minok says it's a first. Courtroom security cameras were rolling as 39-year-old Lamar Reed of Lorraine, Ohio, walked up to enter a plea of minor traffic violation. That's when Reed unknowingly dropped a bag of coke. Stop all freeze. Cease fire. Cease fire. So he wasn't even there for a drug thing. He was there for a, directly from the article, minor traffic violation. Yes. You may continue. That's when Reed unknowingly (laughs) dropped a bag of cocaine out of his baseball cap onto the floor. Why was it in his hat? I don't know. Is that just where people keep drugs now? Here, let's the one place where I'm just counting on gravity to keep it in the spot. How it much wasn't in, tried to scratch his head and it just fell out. It wasn't until about an hour later when the courtroom security officer noted the pack of drugs on the floor. He picked it I up. I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for that pesky officer and his basic senses of perception. <laughs> and his ability to see. He picked it up, looked at it, and saw it was a white powdery substance. He had it field tested by the Lorraine Police Department and it tested positive for cocaine. <sighs> Judge Minow, oh, we can't get it. Is. Judge Mino said that his staff reviewed the security footage until they saw Reed's drop. The so warrant was then immediately it. issued for his arrest. <laughs> oh my god. He was only here for a traffic ticket. He made a simple traffic ticket with only the penalty of a fine into a felony. So not a good day for him, said Minoc. That's putting it mildly. Said said the judge in the greatest understatement since a man called the cops to get his heroin back. Which ironically was earlier that week. Can you bring one of those police dogs? I want to know how far apart these two towns are in Ohio, because it might be something in the water. 
I don't think I want to know. I think I'm just going to stay out of Ohio altogether. Okay, so I don't have Ohio stupid, but holy shit, I have UK stupid. Okay. And it's it's some it's it's some magic stupid. <clears throat> this comes from the telegraph.co.uk. Their education section. Whooping should be banned because it excludes deaf people, National Union of Students say. So you can't whip the ass of a deaf person? Huh? What? Oh, no. No, 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 no. That would be fine. This is crazy. Students who whoop, cheer, and clap should face, and I quote, consequences, unquote, because they are excluding deaf people, delegates at the National Union of Students Conference said. Audience members were repeatedly warned that they must cease whooping to express support for a speaker because it has a serious impact on the accessibility of the conference. Snaps, everyone. Snaps. Oh, no, no, because that would be the the same thing. Snaps would be the same thing. (laughs) Delegates at the NUS Annual Conference in Brighton were encouraged to use jazz hands instead of clapping where students wave their hands in the air, as this is deemed a more inclusive form of expression. Why not just do the fucking seal thing? Hort, 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 hort. Estelle Hart and... People are (laughs) nonverbal. Oh my god, but some of them are visual. Uh, An NUS elections committee member who was chairing a session on Thursday told students, No whooping! It does have a serious impact on some delegates' ability to access conference. She later gave another gentle reminder not to whoop. Shelley Asquith, the NUS Vice President for Welfare, returned to the theme, telling delegates, We've had a number of requests that people stop whooping. The Durham University Student Union proposed a motion at the conference that would see clapping and whooping banned at all future NUS events. <laughs> oh, people talk about it. People say, oh, social justice is just some bullshit term made up on the internet by Nazis and MRAs. No, it's not. And this is the fucking result of it. The motion noted that Access needs of disabled students are disregarded slash overlooked in terms of conference member behavior and in U.S. structures, adding that this can lead to the safety and well-being of disabled students being compromised. House whooping puts deaf people in danger. Of course. It might hurt their feepees. Hashtag feepees. (sighs) The motion calls for reduce cheering or unnecessary loud noises on the conference floor, including whooping and clapping, and warns of consequences for those who ignore this requirement. In the they past, would be dire, dire consequences. The consequences will never be the same. 
in the past, in U.S. events have banned clapping on the grounds that it might trigger anxiety. I'm I'm fucking triggered already. God fucking damn it. Critics say that such behavior is typical of the snowflake generation of students who are seen as oversensitive and quick to take offense. No shit. Last week, it emerged that Oxford University's Equality and Diversity Unit issued guidance to students advising them that students who avoid making eye contact with their peers could be guilty of racism. And this is true because we covered that exact story last week. Yeah. I still want to know why Oxford has an equality and diversity unit. This is a university that is 900 years old. Diversity is good. Diversity is great. Diversity is what makes the Middle East so peaceful. (laughs) The University of Glasgow started issuing trigger warnings for theology students studying the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, whereby students are told that they may see distressing images and are given the opportunity to leave. Something else we've covered. The Glaswegians are saying, all right, now get the fuck out. I'm just saying, if you can't handle the Christ being crucified, I may just be a giant fanny. Commenting on the use of jazz hands in lieu of clapping, an NUS spokesman said, the hand gesture used during the conference is the sign used in British Sign Language vocabulary for applause. It means more people can participate in our conference. We don't actively stop our members from clapping. They choose to be respectful and enable other people to get involved. That's right. You are being punished for clapping if you are in this university. How fucking dare you clap? Because goddammit, deaf people, I guess, can't see you clapping. They won't know when to fucking applaud because they're deaf. They don't know any better. They're a step above animals. What? What happens if there's somebody there without hands? That's one of the things I hate about the Snowflake Generation. They act like, and yes, the Snowflake Generation does exist. Listen to our podcast. We have 149 fucking episodes. Not all of them have to do with SJWs, but a lot of them do. And these people are fucking crazy. And in their quest for equality, they treat people they consider minority groups like they are something less than human. Well, you can't tell Muslims not to kill people. They're too dumb not to realize that. It's part of their culture. Like they're animals who who are just locked into this behavior cycle. It's insulting. In addition to being retarded. And now that we've got Mo worked up into an, uh, got Mo started working on a nice lather, let's keep going. Because I've got something here that I'm sure is going to spin him into an interesting and hopefully entertaining level of pissed off. Delightful. Impress me. It comes from the uh, Sacramento Bee. Oh, boy, Californians, they're not fucking crazy. So, you know, it's going to be, you know, all social justice-y to begin with. Uh, The AIDS crisis is over. Why are people still going to jail over HIV? 
because it's a crime to deliberately infect someone with HIV in like a whole bunch of states. That's it. Story over. I'm not in the habit of quoting Ronald Reagan, but on Monday, as legislation that would greatly reduce the criminal penalty for transmitting HIV moved one step closer to a vote in the California Senate, I couldn't help but think of words penned by the former president. The year was 1990, and my teacher handed out a Washington Post for the class to read. We owe it to Ryan to make sure that fear and ignorance are chased from his home and his school will be eliminated. We owe it to Ryan that we open our hearts and our minds to those with AIDS. We owe it to Ryan to be compassionate, to be caring and tolerant towards those with AIDS and their families and their friends, unless they're dirty commies, in which case we blow them out of the water. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. You kind of sounded like an exhausted JFK who'd started smoking. Yeah, yeah, I, I kept feeling it going in there. Oh, well. Also, there was a bit of James Cagney. You dirty rat. rat. (laughs) Nobody who listens to this podcast knows who James Cagney is. They really don't. He was reacting to the death of Ryan White, a blonde-haired boy from the Midwest who had... What the fuck does his blonde hair have to do with shit? Or the fact that he's from the Midwest. Who could just be a boy contacted HIV during a blood transfusion for hemophilia and was diagnosed with AIDS. White wasn't like the then-mysterious gay men in California and New York or even the IV drug users in the inner city who had fallen ill and dying by the thousands. He was a, quote, innocent victim. What's the quotes for? He got it for a blood transfusion because of a disease he has. It's not like he was fucking... Smacking up, fucking shooting up on heroin in the goddamn aisles. Fuck. At 13 years old, he got thrust into the national spotlight because he wanted to go to school with his friends. But because of it was at the height of the AIDS epidemic, an era where fear and willful ignorance regularly trumped facts, the school district was fraught, fought him and his family at every turn. It was the late 80s, early 90s. It wasn't the fucking 1600s, bitch. As a 13-year-old girl in a Midwestern suburb, I identified with him. Over time, that vague fear of AIDS I once had had been replaced with understanding uh, that HIV is a chronic illness that can easily be managed with medication. It is no longer a death sentence. Yeah? Uh, no, no, I'm giving, I'm giving people time to uh, get the face palm out of the way. What's more, hey, Johnson has been alive for like 30 fucking years with AIDS, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, but that's because the real cure to... He just has the HIV virus. Yeah, but that's because the real cure to HIV is money. South Park said so. Oh, yeah, it's something like, what, $164,000? Something like that, yeah. What's more, it's highly unlikely that somebody with an undetectable level of HIV in his or her blood, which is pretty common these days for undergoing treatment, will transmit the virus to anyone else. Heck, Hep C kills three times as many people as HIV does. Yes, but we have a vaccine for Hep C. 
HIV doesn't kill people. AIDS does. Okay, but folks, um, you can have the HIV virus. I say that, but V stands for virus in the HIV. It's like saying ATM machine. But you can have HIV and not have AIDS. AIDS is autoimmunodeficiency syndrome. AIDS will fucking kill you. But if your HIV has given you AIDS, it kind of is a death sentence because your immune system turns off. And that's not to mention super AIDS, which is a new strain of AIDS that's been running around the country that doesn't respond to medical treatment. So wait, does that mean I know more about the AIDS virus than this bitch does, and she's supposedly a professional. Does that mean that AIDS is now the new Ebola, which was the new AIDS? Well, a mystery virus has been killing a whole bunch of people in Africa. It's super AIDS. But in California and more than 30 other states, dozens of laws remain on the books to punish people who willfully expose others to the virus. And it should be. If you're deliberately giving people AIDS, you can go jump off of a cliff and die, but as long as it's a sterile cliff so you don't give it to anybody else, you fucking monster. To this day, people still get charged with felonies over HIV and go to prison for 5 or 10 or even 20 years. In some states, those convicted must register as a sex offender for life. That is because you are deliberately giving people a disease that can kill them. The deliberate part. You can go to jail for deliberately giving people diseases. That's how it works in this country. Okay, and it's not HIV that can get you sent to jail for deliberately giving people it. If you willfully give people hepatitis C, guess what? That's harming someone with the intent to kill them. You can go to jail for attempted murder for that shit, you dumb bitch. These laws aren't compassionate, caring, or tolerant towards people with HIV or AIDS. They're fear-based holdovers from the days of the gay plague, in which many ways the Reagan administration callously let happen by ignoring the disease and its victims for far too long. Yes. Back in the eighties, acted in the eighties was disgusting. We ignored the disease because it only affected people that we thought God had a problem with. Well, guess what? That was almost forty goddamn years ago now, bitch. I've called her a bitch three times now. Cunt. I'm switching to cunt. Back in the 80s, Reagan wasn't compassionate, caring, or tolerant. San Francisco was ground zero with three times as many AIDS cases per capita as New York and ten times as many as Los Angeles. At one point... Like three times as many gay people per capita as New York and Los Angeles. At one point... About half of San Francisco's gay men were infected, and most were expected to die within 10 years. I've heard horror stories from gay men with gray hair, many of them tearing up just thinking about all the friends and partners they'd lost. Yes, but those people, they did not understand how AIDS was transmitted in the 80s. So AIDS was spreading like a fucking wildfire. We understand it now. AIDS is in decline now, but it is still a crime to willfully give someone HIV, you slut-sickle. That's a new one. 
I know, right? So it's telling that it's a gay man from San Francisco, Senator Scott Weiner. Of course, his last name is Weiner. That joke is below me. Who is pushing the bill that would greatly reduce the penalty for transmitting HIV. Ah, 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 ah. You said earlier, she said earlier in this article, willfully transmitting HIV. There is a difference. You cannot go to jail for accidentally giving someone HIV unless they like prove char- press charges against you and you can't prove that you didn't know you had it. Where California now has four felony offenses on the book for people who deliberately pass along the virus, Senate Bill 239 would repeal two of those and reduce the other two to a misdemeanor, just like the intentional transmission of every other infectious or communicable disease. But not every other infectious or communicable disease has quite as high a fatality rate. The bill advanced out of the Senate Appropriations Committee on Monday, and Weiner hopes to get it to the Senate floor by May or June. So far... Weiner, your pants. So far, the California Right to Life Committee has come out in opposition. Meanwhile, a list of groups in support is long, from California Medical Association to Equality California to the ACLU. Okay, I will say it may be a bit much to put people in jail for 20 years for deliberately giving people AIDS. <laughs> but uh, I, I cannot in good conscience say that there should be no punishment for it. Their reasoning is pretty plain. One is that threatening to punish people for transmitting HIV does absolutely nothing for public health. It only that is in- not... Not, that is not what is against the law, transmitting HIV willfully. It only encourages people to hide their, their status or not get tested at all. You can't be charged with infecting somebody with something that you didn't know you had. Emphasis on willfully transmitting HIV is the crime. Another reason is that, oh my God. Another reason is that the research showed that the laws are applied unfairly white men laws are racist for example who make up 40 percent of the people diagnosed with hiv in california but only 16 percent of the individuals who've had contact with law enforcement over it according to the williams institute at aclu or at ucla oh yeah yeah and that's 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 because the cops are racist and just look the other way with white HIV sufferers who deliberately infect people. It has nothing to do with the rates of criminality among ethnic minorities, which is, by the way, a topic I am more than willing to get into with this woman. Because Meanwhile, that's going to open up a really ugly can of worms about society and its expectations and how certain branches of our society have damaged the rights of people in the inner cities and their own belief in their abilities to the point where there's a permanent underclass of people in this country who are predominantly ethnic minorities in inner cities who commit a majority of the crimes in those cities. Meanwhile, black women who make up only 4% of the Californians diagnosed with HIV but account for 21% of the people who've gotten in trouble for it. A good number of them are sex workers, turning a potential misdemeanor prostitution charge into a felony. 
I would also like to state that in inner cities, populations of ethnic minorities are much higher than they are in an entire state, especially with a state with that has so much of its non-white community or non-white populations focused in big cities. So yeah, guess where the prostitutes are? They aren't out in bumblefuck Northern California with the tumbleweeds and the scrub grass. You know where they are? They're in LA. They're in San Francisco. They're in fucking Sacramento. Only about 1,260 people were accused of HIV-related crimes in California between 1988 and 2014. Of those who were convicted, 85 were sent to prison. Clearly, this is the most pressing issue of the Californian government. So far, only Iowa and Colorado have acted to repeal their laws. If California is next, it could potentially accelerate the fledgling national trend towards decriminalization. No, 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 no. Because California is not decriminalizing it, just making it from a felony to a misdemeanor. This woman has contradicted herself so many times in this article. My head is starting to hurt. What'd you say her name was again? Uh, Erica D. Smith. Okay, I'm going to look that up. Keep going with this article. There's little hope of accomplishing change at a federal level or even through, even though public health officials have been pushing for it for years. In Congress, Representative Barbara Lee of Oakland and Elaine Ross Lathan have introduced the Repeal HIV Discrimination Act, but it is unlikely to go anywhere. There have been resistance, particularly among Republicans. Like because the repeal discrimination, the very name of the act itself is stupid. Like the Reagan administration, red state lawmakers started paying attention to the AIDS because to the AIDS because of Ryan White, a boy unfairly marginalized by people who didn't understand HIV or how it's contracted. Following an early provision in the Ryan White Comprehensive AIDS Resource Emergency Act which provided funding for education and treatment, they passed misguided laws to prosecute people for HIV or AIDS. No, they passed laws to prosecute people for deliberately infecting other people with HIV or AIDS because the thing that this woman isn't remembering is the numerous stories I read in the news over my youth because this took place during my youth. I was alive when this was happening, so was House about the people who would go deliberately and donate blood to blood shelter or to fucking blood banks, blood shelter. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking who had HIV because they felt they were, they were wronged by society and they wanted to spread their HIV blood to as many places as possible. California just beat middle America to the punch. Now the remnants of those laws are being used to marginalize a whole new group of people with HIV many of them opioid addicts in red states, spreading the virus through dirty needles. It's time to be compassionate, caring, or tolerant. It's time to end the cycle. Uh, Sharing dirty needles has always been one of the major contributors for the spread of AIDS, so this woman can shut the fuck up. Because saying that's, oh, that's an all-new group of people. 
No. Drug users, especially uh, intravenous drug users, have always been a large portion of the HIV AIDS community. As such a community as it can be called. This person does not understand this news story. No, 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 no. This person understands this news story perfectly. This person just also has an agenda. And I can prove it. Oh? So I have an article here. Okay. From the Sacramento Bee. Okay. Written by Erica D. Smith. Something that you found Googling while I was finishing up the other article? Yeah, this is from March 20th, 2017. Okay. Blue lives do matter, but not this way. What? <laughs> uh, this is an opinion piece, so we're going to hear her opinions. <laughs> it's a rare day when California's powerful law enforcement group lose a political battle at the Capitol. It's a rarer day still when the legislature, prone to siding with police, defers to the concerns of people who worry about officers having too much power. Yeah, uh, police officers having carte blanche powers to do whatever the fuck they want is a problem. Let's see what they were trying to do. But sometimes a bill is just too much. And last week, one authored by Assemblyman Jay Obernolt that would have elevated crimes against police officers to hate crime status proved to be just that. Well, that's kind of silly, but it's also kind of not, especially when you have people who attack cops just for being cops. What do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them? Now. House references that a lot in the live streams and in the podcast because that was a chant at one of the Black Lives Matter marches. Yeah. Yeah, the one in, what was it, Texas, right before our guys started shooting cops? Yeah. Just imagine, in addition to the hefty penalties that already apply to people stupid and cruel enough to try to hurt, much less kill a cop, they could have also have been charged with a hate crime under Assembly Bill 2. That the legislation, part of a wave of so-called Blue Lives Matter bills sweeping the nation was introduced at a time of rising hate crimes against Muslim Jews and transgender Americans. Okay, she has a link here. Let me take a look. It's a link from the Southern Poverty Law Center. My favorite word, salad. That claims that incidents of hateful harassment since the election day keep increasing. Oh, my God. Because there, there's harassment intimidation that's been reported to the SPLC. I'm sorry, but people self-reporting harassment and intimidation to the SPLC is not proof of hate crimes. Matter of fact, hate crimes have been steadily falling in this country for years. And guess what? Trump getting elected didn't really affect that metric any. No, what has affected the metric is people using their all-new definitions. Usually people among the snowflake generation. Someone's paid profession is not the same as someone's identity. 
wow, uh, this is clearly being said by a person who has never had an identity connected to their profession. I was in the army for four years. For the rest of my life, I will be a veteran. And a veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. She's also patently wrong. For a lot of cops, it is part of their identity. Yeah. These people, being a police officer isn't like being a fucking problem glasses wearing journalist in California. Being a police officer is something that you tend to devote your entire life to. Not a lot of people just become a cop for a couple of years. Or do it after a particularly strong Starbucks and brainstorming session. Already, police in California have some of the most restrictive standards in the nation for withholding disciplinary records from the public's prying eyes, making it almost impossible to spot a troubled officer before it's too late. And cities must spend millions of tax dollars to settle lawsuits. You know what fix that? Body cameras. Yeah. Despite that, legislation to require officers to wear body cameras and release the footage under strict guidelines has been swatted down repeatedly in recent years. That, that is what you should be writing articles about. That is what you should be pushing. This bill was written by one motherfucker in Bumblefuck, California. Nobody cared. That's why it got shot down. Also, it's kind of stupid. I can understand where he's coming from, but it's kind of stupid. People are going to get their ass nailed to the wall for assaulting cops anyway. Adding, adding it being a hate crime just adds icing to the shit Sunday. But Erica Smith, you should be writing articles, and people feel free to tweet her about this. I don't know where her Twitter is, but I'm sure hardworking autists of the internet can find it. Well, I know for a fact that her email is uh, esmith at uh, sacb.com. Ooh, her uh, Twitter is at Erica D. Smith. At Erica underscore D underscore Smith. Tweet her and tell her that Douche Mo from Douche Canoe Studio says that she needs to make more articles about body cameras and their need. How they should be here. How they, how if we want to stop all this police insanity, body cameras will go a long way towards that. And so, Obernolk, a Republican from Big Bear Lake, where the fuck? addressed the Assembly Public Safety Committee last Tuesday, thinking he actually might be able to gain enough votes to advance AB2. From your writing, I can tell that you realized that it was bullshit that was never going to pass. He was backed by the usual suspects, including the California Peace Officers Association. But after committee chair, Assemblyman Reggie Jones-Sawyer... Uh, from Los Angeles, shut him down right after he shut down some noisy protesters shouting about Black Lives Matter at the back of the room. This bill isn't tailored to that 1% for which these young people are screaming out in the halls about, Joan Sawyer said. That 1% that don't do you justice, that have done some things that have caused that anger in the community, and that anger is real, it's visceral, but I don't think it rises to where it becomes a hate crime. He went on laying out a decidedly rational argument. Would you like to hear the first line of this decidedly rational argument? I would love to hear this. I can't change the fact that I'm Native or that I'm African American. Because if you want rationality, 
Your identity is the most important thing. Who cares about logic or laws? You're fucking black. You can change the fact that you're blue. You're not born blue. I'm born black. At the end of the day, people who hate me because of my color hate me whether I'm the president of the United States or I'm law enforcement. They just hate me. Yes, but you know what? Uh, Those people don't have power. Those people don't have, like, political groups that their members get to go to the White House and hang out with people. Like, ooh, founding members of Black Lives Matter did to President Obama. Obernold's bill didn't win the committee's approval, thankfully. But its very existence is yet another reminder of what we're in for as the administration of President Donald Trump fans the reactionary flames of a supposed war on cops. Because you had to work Donald Trump in there somehow, didn't you? Spot the biased. What does President Donald Trump have to do with an assemblyman from Big Bear fuck all in the middle of nowhere, California, writing a bill trying to get assaulting cops turned into a hate crime? Guess what? People write bills all the time that go nowhere. Oh, God. Just last week, U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions told a room of law enforcement officials in Virginia that in this age of viral videos and targeted killings of police, officers in many cities are afraid to do their jobs. And he is not wrong. There are many places in cities around this country where police officers will not go unless it is in groups. So it's not surprising that Obernolt wasn't alone in introducing a Blue Lives Matter bill. Yeah, but just calling them Blue Lives Matter bills doesn't mean that they have the same text. She generalizes in very broad ways that help her argument. Yes, yes, she does. I noticed this about the last article a lot, and I'm really noticing it about this article, too. Mm -hmm. This year, lawmakers in more than a dozen states from Maryland to Washington, have introduced similar legislation, according to the Huffington Post, which, as we know, is as unbiased as they come. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 gospel right there. Several states have multiple versions working their way through state houses. No, they're working their way through committees where they're not going to go anywhere. Mississippi legislators, for example, filed 10. Yeah, that's Mississippi. Is she genuinely comparing Mississippi and California? Because they're Apparently. very different states. Very different agendas. Compare that to 2016, the year police officers were ambushed in both Dallas and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but only about 15 Blue Lives Matter bills were introduced across the country, according to Tribune Media. Yeah, it's almost as if the political machine takes some time to wake up. Yeah. Uh, uh the incident she was talking about i was actually in louisiana when they uh when the uh, baton rouge incident happened and three cops were killed yeah i live a few hours away from dallas too so yeah what and let me tell I mean, you fuck, I, i'm not in my town today let me tell you people were scared because if people will kill cops, people will kill anyone. 
What's more, until recently, most of these bills have suffered the same quick fate as AB2. But in recent weeks, I've watched with a sense of incredulity as some of this legislation has gained bipartisan traction, passing committees and even making it to the desks of governors. Louisiana became the first state last year to actually enact some legislation. And last month, the Kentucky House of Representatives sent a bill to Governor Matt Blevin. He has yet to sign it. He's probably going to pocket veto it. For those of you who are unaware of political processes, a pocket veto is where a president or governor simply does not sign a bill or and also does not veto it, allowing the bill to quietly die. Yeah, and Louisiana, as we pointed out, as she pointed out, had officers killed in it. So, yeah, maybe, just maybe, it's because of incidents like that that they they made it a hate crime. Hey, and you know what we haven't mentioned in a fucking minute? What's that? Donald Trump. Apart from the constant fear-mongering from the Trump administration... This whole article is fear-mongering against, like, the police. And the Trump administration. It's not hard to understand why law enforcement groups are pushing these bills. Frequently cited are sobering statistics from the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, which found that 135 police officers died last year, more than any time in the past five years, and a 56% spike over 2015. So half again as many cops died last year as the year before it. That might be an issue. Of the 64 who were fatally shot, 21 were killed in ambushes. And here's the part where her bias starts showing again. Often fueled by rage in communities of color. It's a problem. It's the kind of thing that would make anyone wary of putting on a uniform and driving around town in a marked police cruiser. Yeah, because it's almost as if there's a group of people who have an agenda to specifically hurt people who look like that. Not a week goes by that I don't worry about my best friend doing this in Ohio. Okay, your best friend in Ohio just has to worry about motherfuckers not knowing where the fuck they're going and calling the police to get their heroin and dropping drugs in traffic court. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or drunken and or stone people stealing their police cars. And here's the part where she admits herself. In California, this year has already proved to be a dangerous one for law enforcement. Last month, prosecutors say Armani Lee, 28, opened fire on Sacramento police and a Sacramento sheriff's deputy on Del Paso Boulevard. A few days later, Officer Keith Boyer, 53, was killed in Whittier while responding to a car crash. Police say the driver, Christopher Michael Mejia, a felon suspected in another murder, pulled out a gun and started firing. Bullets hit Boyer and another officer, Patrick Hazel. Blue Lives Matter bills are about sending a message that this is not acceptable, Obernolt said. But whether that would work is debatable, considering hang how on, many hang sentences... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. She puts quotes around that. Yeah. And then says that, that it's it's own, the, the, the way it's written, it makes it look like it's, it's a pejorative statement. It To me, it almost sounds like this guy wasn't expecting the bill to pass in the first place. He just wanted to make a point. Anyway... 
But whether that would work is debatable, given how many sentencing enhancements are already on the books for people who attacked police. Mejia, for example, faces murder and attempted murder charges, carjacking and possession of firearms by a felon, murder to escape arrest, and the special circumstance of murder of a police officer, which is written into California's death penalty statute. That's which right. California, California doesn't use. Yeah, California doesn't use their death penalty statute. Hold on, I'm going to Google right now when the you last continue, time... You continue, I'm going to Google. Okay, yeah. Google last time California actually killed somebody. <clears throat> Indeed, ambushing a police officer is about the dumbest thing anyone who values his life or freedom can do. Yeah, um, no, people are doing it because they want to kill cops. They hate cops. They have an irrational hatred for cops. It's almost as if they discriminate against cops and they want all the cops to be dead. It doesn't see this is the problem too. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your religious affiliation. All that matters is that you put on a uniform to protect and serve your community. And these people have that big of a fucking problem with it. And they think that you're intruding into their shit so much that they have a right to end your life. And fuck them. So when's the last time California killed somebody? Uh, January 17th. 2016 or 2006 so it's been 11 years since california killed somebody and Hex it was uh, like a guy this guy named clarence ray allen he was the oldest person ever to be put to death he was put to death at the age of 77 well i guess they put him to death just so he wouldn't die on death row yeah but he was he was uh i'm looking to see when he was sentenced to death Oh, a fringe of people truly do hate the police. Hey, House, what do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them? Now. Yeah, but let's never mind the thousands of people chanting that at Black Lives Matter rallies. It, no, it's only a fringe of people who hate the cops. It's hate. Oh, oh my God. He was sentenced to death in 1980. Yeah, so California really drugged their feet on that one. Oh, great. And let's play Spot the Bias again. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. It's a hate based in the inconvenient reality of a criminal justice system that, systematically, is too often unfair to <clears throat> people of color. Yeah, people hate cops, but they hate cops because cops give them the reason to hate them. Because cops hate people of color. Fuck you. Oh, cops hate people of color. It has nothing to do with the crime rates of inner cities. Threatening people with harsh sentences for hate crimes won't change that. You're right. Let's overturn all hate crime legislation. I'm down. Nor will this state-by-state -state strategy to paint police as p victims on par with someone who faces discrimination daily just for being alive. Because, you know, there's all those fucking death squads running around killing the breathers. I mean, when the robot uprising happens, I assume it's going to work like that. At the end of the day, being a cop is a job. A person can take off a uniform and no longer be a target. Like Joan Sawyer, I can't stop being black. 
Now let's take a moment to talk about all the police officers that were followed back to their homes and murdered along with their families. Or the cops who retired and then were murdered by people. You know what? No. How about the cops that were sentenced, that were found guilty of crimes and sentenced to jail? Those cops were were now criminals. Or being police. Yeah. So, you know what? You can't just take off the the uniform and no longer be a target. Sometimes just have been been a cop is enough to make you a target. Fucking Fitch. I was called a baby killer in the Houston airport when I got back from Afghanistan because I was wearing an army uniform. Wow. That's like a throwback to Vietnam. They were being retro with their insults. Yeah, I yelled at the guy, I'm a truck driver. The only way they would have done that, the only way I could have killed a baby was if they put one under my tire. Yeah, he was a hipster of hate. God, now that I'm thinking back on it, they were fucking hipsters. I think that's one of the reasons I have an irrational hatred of hipsters. There is no irrational hatred of hipsters. There's just hatred of hipsters. Being hipsters is justifies the hate. Okay, well, when somebody has to grab the steering wheel to keep you from going up on the sidewalk and running over a group of four of them in Austin, Texas in 2012, um, theoretically, it might be an irrational hatred. I honestly think that's an appropriate response, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, but I think I've said my piece on this. And if, if you'd like to discuss this, if you disagree with me, would you like to know how to contact us, House? Should I let them know? Yes, let them know. We're on Facebook under Douche Canoe Studio. We're on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Douche Canoe HM. That is Hector Mike. Also, you can find us just by searching Douche Canoe Studio. You can email us directly at douchecanoestudio@gmail.com. If you'd like to listen to the over 100 episodes we have, which are all available completely for free, you can search Douche Canoe St- Studio on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, the podcast app, and the Podmosphere app, where they are and will remain completely for free. Also, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which has unique content not available on any of our other platforms, like our increasing in popularity public live streams, where we interact with our audience. We hold those around 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time every Sunday. So come to the Douche Canoe Studio channel on YouTube, join the live stream, join the conversation. We cover stuff that we do not cover on the podcast. But for another week, I'm House. I'm Mo. Paddle on. Maybe we should put this woman in a police uniform and take her to Oakland. <laughs>